Well, hey, good morning. We're starting a new series. I always get excited about new series. We're starting a, a series for several weeks. We're going to talk about uh, not a concept of, of God's personality, not something that um, is significant like in our lives that we personally have to work on. It's, it's bigger. It's a whole scope. We're talking about for the next few weeks in services here, the, the bride of Christ. We're talking about something that Jesus died for. We're talking about an idea that we know as this word church, and all of us have different ideas about church. And this, in this sermon today and in this series, the weeks that we're going to be talking about, we titled it, What's the Big Deal About Church Anyway? Because when I say church, what comes to your mind? Like a lot of people have different things that come to their mind. Some people, if you hear the word church, what do you immediately think of? You think of your background, your history, how you grew up, where you are, you are today. There's good, there's bad. Some of us were like, man, this is my place of safety. This is refuge. This is where I get with the, the rest of the family, and I feel like I, I'm refreshed. I can take a breath of fresh air. This is the way that I start my week, Pastor Carl. Like, I, I need it. This is where I hear from God. And for a lot of us, we, yeah, we love Anchor Church. We love Christianity, the family of God. But some people, when you say church, and you just think immediately what comes to mind, some of you guys have been hurt by the church before. In fact, you might have even been hurt by me or this church because there's no perfect church, right? But sometimes the word church stirs up like negative things possibly. There's been people that have let you down. It may be that when you think of church, you're just thinking of boring, right? You're just like, you grew up and you're like, man, my example of church before coming here, because here is amazing. Here is life-giving. Here is Jesus. But before I heard Pastor Carl preach, no, I'm just kidding. But we all have different connotations of what church is. In fact, some of us are just at the place where like, I don't even know yet because this is my first time here. I'm just checking it out, or I heard you guys have good coffee there, you know, or like the music's cool, or you know what, I look around, this is a pretty good place to meet girls, <laughs> or guys, like, let's just go off that trip for a minute real, really quickly, can we? You ever heard any good Christian pickup lines? Come on, anybody? Let me show you a couple of what I'm talking about just really quickly. How about this one? So last night I was reading the book of Numbers, and I realized I don't have yours. Is that good? Some of you guys are at that level. Jot that down. Here's another one. Girl, you're breaking the Old Testament law because you're working it on the Sabbath. Come on, that's, that's smooth. That's nice. Look at, okay, one more, a couple more. Is your name Faith? Because you're the substance of things I've hoped for right? and the evidence of things unseen. Amen. Like, here's another one. Let's go to this. You put the stud in Bible study. Come on, there's some guys in the room that would be like, well, don't mind if I do. That would be nice. I think I got one more up here. Is you, me, Song of Songs, the remix. Anybody ever read Song of Songs? That's the naughty book of the Bible, right? That's the, the Eros love book. And it's, anyways, that's just fun and games aside. But literally, I just wanted to spark your mind. What do you think about when you think about church? Some of us come for those reasons. And let me tell you this. Can I just actually say this? That it's actually okay if you started coming to church because you're looking for someone to date and to, for the perfect one. It's actually okay. It's not like, how dare you? That's blasphemy. Here's the deal. There's a lot worse places you could go to look for someone to hook up with. You guys know what I'm saying? I met my wife in church. Praise God. Thank you for the church. I have a wife and three beautiful kids because of the church. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. And I want to talk about in this series what the church really is all about. I want to talk about the way that we view it and like the mixed up tension there is around that word. And I want to talk about the way Jesus intended it to be what Jesus called the church. So um, if, if, if you get anything out of today's message in the weeks that follow, no matter what your experience or your thoughts or your opinions about church, whether they're bad, they're kind of hurtful, they're stressed, you're lucky that you're even here today, or if you're just like, man, I, I make it a point. I'm always in church because it is a blessing in my life. No matter what you think of church, write this down if you're taking notes at all. Church is better than you think it is. Church is better than you, as good as you might think about it. Even when I was studying and praying into this message, I was just like, church is better than I think it is. Why? Because Jesus said what he intended for the church to be is way better than what we've kind of let it become and the kind of ways that we do church. And we're going to take a look at why it is better than we think it is. So what is church? Because church is not just buildings and places and it's somewhere you go. Like we always say that. Did you go to church today? And in our heads, church is 
that place, whether we're going to uh, Anchor Church and we meet in a tent, or maybe you, you go to First Pres down the street, my, my friend Pastor Dan Chun, and it's this beautiful facility at a golf course. Or maybe it's like in um, a meeting right now at a Huimanu in an elementary school. I go over there to church. We think of it as like a place, and that's really not accurate. Here's what church is. If you read the New Testament, in the original language, in the Greek, the word for church is this. Can I get this on the screen? This word in the Greek, ekklesia. Now, some of you guys have heard this one before. Ekklesia says it's an assembly or gathering of people with common mission. The church is actually a movement of people. It's not just a location. It's a gathering. It's people getting together for a common cause. Like I, I was up, up here the other night and I saw all the lights down at Castle and Castle was having their, was it their homecoming game? Was it the other, the other night? All I know is like I was gathered here at church, but there's a gather going, gathering going on on the football field at Castle. And if you go to like a birthday party, it's a gathering united around a, a common purpose. If you go to a concert, it's a gathering united around a common purpose. And here's Jesus saying, originally this word church, everywhere you read it in scripture, the New Testament definition is it's not just I go see Pastor Carl speak on a stage. I sit in a chair in a location in a tent on a hillside in Kaneohe. The church is you. It's us. It's every believer and follower of Jesus Christ together on planet Earth, not just in one town or one building. It's all of us together. Now, here's a problem. If that was the original definition, is like we're a movement. They were gathered around the cause of Christ, not around a certain style or whatever. It's, it's Jesus that we're gathered around. And every church looks different. Praise God for that, that there's variety and diversity and creativity in the kingdom, but we're all on the same team. But here's a problem. Over time, this ecclesia, this movement, this gathering, turned into something. We get this German word, they kind of rewrote the Bible and retranslated it to mean something different in like the 300 AD around there. It's this German word, a goth word, that they brought in, and it's this new word, changed to this, kirke, kirke. Is that how it's, it's like a, it's a German word, kirke. So people read it as like church, and then they change it to English church. And everywhere you read in the Bible, it's church. And this is what the, the, the definition changed. The Lord's house, it's a gathering place. Rather than a gathering of God's people, it became people gathered in a place. And that's why there's tension in our lives and in our definition of what church should be and church shouldn't be. And I believe that this is the wrong definition. This is the one that burns people. This is where organized religion comes from, where legalism comes with, from where, where programs and people and finances and all of that stuff gets kind of screwed up and we lose the definition. Because see, here's the deal. Church is a movement, not an institution. Can you say that with me one, one time? Church is a movement, not an institution. That it is about the people not about the place or the program, it's about the people. And Jesus intended that, and we had to get organized. We had to like come together and figure out how to do it, but we don't ever lose sight of what the mission is all about. And so I wanna give you a little bit of church history, how we got to this place of tension and why there's, there's always ecclesia movement versus kirsch or kirka, however you pronounce that, right, which is institution. And it started with this. You know when the church started? Does anybody know when the actual church of Jesus Christ started? Does anybody have any clues what day that was? Anybody? See, a lot of us would say, great answer, Paul, the, the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit came, empowered the believers. They went out and reached the world. But it actually started a little bit earlier than that. You know when it started? It started at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that's when the full, all the prophecies of the Old Testament, over 400 of them regarding Jesus' life and, and death and resurrection and all that, were fulfilled on that day when Jesus not only said, hey, I'm the Messiah, the Son of God, I'm going to die for you. That's cool. And you just stayed dead. Good job. But it's a fact that he goes, no, I'm bigger and better than that. I'm coming back. Anybody that says they're going to come back from the dead and pulls it off, I'm following that guy. You guys know what I'm talking about? And he literally came back. And so there was about, only about 120 of his followers at that point. When he preached on planet Earth and did the miracles, thousands. But then everybody gave up because they went, oh, he died. No, he wasn't the guy. But when he came back, resurrection, there was a small group of people waiting in Jerusalem. And they went, oh, my gosh. He's the real deal. He said who he really was. He changed our lives. Man, we got to tell the world how good he is. And there was this church that was started at the resurrection and became a movement 
to the point where the Roman officials in the world around them said, no, you can't teach that. That's against our religion, against our law. And they were willing to die for what they believed in because they're like, no, we're a movement. We're sold out. We believe in who this Jesus person is. So it started off as this incredible movement. But then here's what happened a little bit later as it's outlawed and they're underground and they're persecuted. In the year 313 AD, this Roman emperor, Constantine, comes along. And there's a picture of him right here, a statue of him. Roman emperor, first Roman emperor that actually said, no, enough of, of suppressing this Christian movement. They're onto something, something real. And it changed everything. He actually became a Christian. Many people believed he was the first Christian emperor of Rome. And here's what he did. He legalized Christianity. So now it's more of a movement than ever. They're like, yeah, we have freedom to worship. Like, we're God's people. We're going we're gonna to let everybody know about Jesus. But here's what happened. It had so much freedom that it started attracting wealth. It started attracting uh, people of power. It started attracting people going, we don't know what to do with all these people that want to be Christians. Where do we house them? What do we do? Let's build some buildings for people to gather in. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. They started building buildings for all of the church to, to assemble in the different towns and everywhere else. They started saying, we need some leaders, so they assigned some leaders. But what happened is human nature began to creep into the ecclesia, turned it into church, and they started saying, well, it's now all about those buildings and all about those leaders, and it's all about those programs rather than the mission of the church. You see how it kind of transitioned into something that was a movement, transitioned into something that became an institution. And the Middle Ages came along, and this was a dark time in Christian history. And this is where the church kind of gets a bad name because what happened was the religious leaders and officials of the day said the word of God that empowers this movement is only for people who are holy enough and officially close enough to God and of enough high status and nobility and wealth that we're the ones that get the scripture. So it's in Latin, the Latin Vulgate, and we have God's holy word, but the common people in England at this time where it was where they're trying to follow Jesus, you couldn't have it because you, you're in the common language of English. You have no idea. So you have to go to church, go to the, the priests and the pastors and the leaders. And it was so institutionalized. Well, this is something that changed because God's heart was always that the movement must keep going. So in the 1500s, 1600s, came the Reformation. Anybody ever heard of that? The Protestant Reformation. Protestant, this word from protest, these guys came along, John Calvin, John Wycliffe, Martin Luther, and they said, we protest against only you guys having the word of God. It's supposed to be a movement. We believe that, that God's power is in his word, and you know what? We need to change that. So this guy comes along, William Tyndale, and he looks like this. William Tyndale, he's got a cool little hairdo, doesn't he? That little middle part, like just greased down. But William Tyndale comes along in like 1522, and he says, you know what? It's supposed to be a movement for God's people, not for elected officials to have. So here's what he does. He takes the Latin form, the Latin Vulgate. He starts translating it into the common language of all people, English at the time. He wants everybody to have it. They don't like him. The authorities don't like that. He has to run away from England to Germany. But he gets over there and he prints and he makes all these Bibles in English. And this is what he does. He goes, this is a movement. I will not be stopped. I'm going to smuggle them right back into my home country, England. And I'm going to get the word of God to everybody. Power to the people, right? Because he knows that God wanted a movement, not just a few elect people. And, and we're just, we're coming back to now. It goes from institution back to movement. Yeah, go William Tyndale. You're awesome. And what do you think they did for all of that to reward him? They hung him and they burned him at the stake. <laughs> this guy, William Tyndale, that's trying to get back to movement of God gets actually killed because of it. But the reformers still kept going. They kept on pushing and they kept on trying to bring it back to the movement that it is today. But we've been in tension with this today. All the way up until today, there's this tension of what is the church supposed to be? Is it supposed to be places that you go to, or is it supposed to be a movement of God's people? And I think it's actually a little bit of both, but the church has gotten a bad name over history. They've hurt a lot of people in the name of organized religion. I met a guy the other day up on our campus here, and he was just doing some work, and he just said, um, he goes, yeah, hey, I caught one of your sermons the other month or something, and I really liked it. It's cool. And I said, oh, well, where do you fellowship? Where do you go to church? Where's your local gathering or of Christians? He goes, I, I don't really go. I don't really, to be honest with you, I'm not really stoked on organized religion. I don't like, I've seen fakeness. I've seen hypocrites. I've seen all of this. And I went, wow. And I didn't, I'm not going to judge him because I've been hurt by people in the church myself. I've been hurt by the church myself in, in ways that 
I'll probably never even tell you guys about. Maybe someday I'll write a book or something. But right now, there's, there's this stuff like I, I've been dealing with. I've been hurt myself. And so I, this guy's going, I don't like organized religion. I love Jesus with all my heart. I just really don't really go to church that often. And I said, man, you're, you're like a lot of people that I know, like a lot of people I talk to. I tried to invite him, hey, come up to our church. I'm gonna talk about that this weekend in services. And I don't know if you made it or not, but the truth is that we have a wrong definition and we've seen a wrong example of church, more of the church than the ecclesia. And I think we need to come back to that knowing that it's a movement. So here's the deal. If you're sitting in here, here in church today and you're kind of like, ah, I don't know, here we go again. And, and you're like that. I, I understand why you're like that. A lot of us have been hurt. I've been hurt by the church, like drastically, by leaders and programs and stuff. Look, there was a point in my life when I actually said, God, I want out of this thing. I, I just, it's a mess. It doesn't look like what I think your heart is. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I don't want to, I've been hurt by too many pastors and stuff. I literally asked God, can I have a way out? Can I just become normal Carl, normal Christian, lover of Christ, maybe go to church once in a while, but love you? And God clearly told me this. He goes, I know you've been hurt, Carl. And my kingdom and my movement is made up of messed up people and flawed people. But he goes, he told me this. I really felt him say this to me. You need to be one of the good ones and your church needs to be one of the good ones. And there's a lot of things that churches and people have done in my name and you have every reason to complain and want out, but I'm not letting you out because you're part of a movement and you need to keep the movement going. So you just work on being one of the good ones and your church and your ministry and your influence, be a good one and let's keep this thing going because it's the bride of Christ. It's God's heart for his people on planet earth is there's too many lost people out there that don't know the goodness of the church and what we bring, the life of Jesus Christ. So somebody's got to keep at it. And God expects not just me, but every one of you sitting here in church today that says, I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you're part of a movement, the church, and we're supposed to change people's lives and, and bring the hands and feet of heaven to earth. Amen? Amen. And so we got to get back to this thing. So I'm going to ask you this. You've been hurt by the church this morning in any way, shape, or form. Would you just, for me, do the favor of being open to a new perception and a new definition of what church is all about. Not a new one, actually, the old school original one. Let's look at what Jesus said because that's where it all started. He's the man. It's all started because of him and what he did. And so let's talk about the second point is what did Jesus have in mind? Matthew 16, 18. This is Jesus, the gospels before he died. He's teaching. He talks about the church. Someone comes up and asks him, hey, hey. Uh, he asks his, his disciples, who does everybody think I am out there? What's the word on the street? Oh, some guys think you're a really good teacher. You're, an, you're a prophet. You're this and that. He goes, okay, cool. What do you guys think? You're my followers. What do you think of me? Peter's like, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You're everything that we know about, all of the hundreds of years of prophecies. You are, we saw the miracles. We see everything you're doing. You're the man. You're the real deal. And man, we follow you. And so this is what Jesus responds to Peter. He says, Peter, good answer. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. There's a word church we see, ecclesia, movement. He goes, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, here's what he's saying. He's not just saying, Peter, I'm going to start my church on you. Although Peter was what we determine as kind of one of the first pillars, like you could almost say the first pope of the church, one of the first leaders of the church. But it's more along the lines of the statement that Peter made. Upon what you just said, Peter, I'm going to build my church. What did Peter just say? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So on the fact that Jesus is who he says he is, Jesus goes, on that fact, on who I am, on the words that I teach, on what I'm about to do in the resurrection and all of this stuff and giving to the Holy Spirit, on that fact, man, I'm going to build a movement. And the word you read in the New Testament Greek is this ecclesia. Jesus is saying, this is going to be a movement that changes the world. Like, this is big. I've got big plans. I'm excited. I'm leaving to go back to the Father. But when I give the Holy Spirit, man, stuff's going to happen. You guys are going to touch lives, pull people out of hell and darkness and confusion and addictions and loneliness, and you're going to set people free. That's what Jesus had in mind. Amen? Amen. And so here's the history. After he says this, we you know the story, as Jesus dies, he goes on the cross, he fulfills the mission. And then third day, he rises from the dead. And those followers are like, man, he's the real deal. He said everything. And then he is who he said he is. He hung around for 40 years on earth just to prove to everybody, it's really me. 
It wasn't just somebody saying a rumor like, dude, I saw Jesus in the alley the other day and he came back from the dead. No, he hung out for 40 days proving, look, I'm here. I did this. You guys all see this? Jerusalem, everybody, look, the believers and non-believers, look, I, I did this. This really just happened. And in the meantime, he said, look, you're my church, my movement, but before you go and do anything, I need you to wait for something. And he teaches them about the church. In Acts 1.8, here's what it says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, which means this city, throughout Judea, the surrounding area, Samaria, the next nation over, and all the way to the ends of the earth. But he says this, for you to be this movement, you gotta wait for some power to come in your life. And there's only 120 of his followers, small group, they're waiting, they're praying, they're in the upper room, and the day of Pentecost comes, right? And this power comes upon them. And they get boldness to tell everybody. And, and before we read that passage, I just want to remind you that by your very nature of being a part of the church, by being a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to have boldness and courage and power beyond your normal ability of who you are. You guys understand that? Like we as Christians, if you're called a Christian and you're part of the church, you're not a bench warmer. Like nobody is. Everybody's in the game. Everybody plays. And that Jesus said, you wait, you watch this. You guys are going to start something, but I'm going to need to give you the Holy Spirit who's going to live inside of every single Christian. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you power and boldness. You need to go shake things up and tell the world all about me. And too many times, too many of us Christians are living like, like we look good from the outside, but we're just not carrying around the power. That we have the power, we're carrying it. We're just not utilizing the power that Jesus expects of every Christian in the marketplace, in your schools, and not just gathered in a tent on Sundays, but in the world around. We're like this. This morning and every early morning, I need caffeine. Anybody with me on that one? Like ca caffeine is like the really good, safe, clean, clear drug that gets me going. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody? Like and some of you guys are coffee heads. I'm like a Red Bull guy, right? So like this morning already, because I have to speak at 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings. That's like, God's not up at that hour. I'm not sure. Like I got... God, you with me on this? Okay, okay. But it's so early in the morning that I'm like, caffeine, I need that, the Red Bull. And it does something for me. It wakes me up and I get clarity and it's good. And some of you guys run on the fuel of coffee all day long. But any of you coffee heads ever accidentally drank a decaf? And know that that is like a tragedy, like you're, you're literally mad, right? You just, you're, oh man, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling. Someone, oh yeah, I made a fresh pot of decaf. You drank some, what? Right, ah. And too many of us, listen, we're walking around living like decaffeinated Christians. Like we look good, there's a little flavor, but there's no power. Like we're walking around and we're like, oh, I believe in Jesus, so I show up at the church on Sunday mornings. That's not what Jesus said. He says, you're to be a powerful movement filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness every day, everywhere you go, not just on Sundays, but you're supposed to always be, Holy Spirit, fill me up every single day. I want to be able to pray for people. I want to be able to, to like live and make the right decisions and values in my life, even though everyone else around me, they're doing wrong stuff. Lord, I want to shine your light, even if it's not with words, it's with actions. Like I want to be proactive in this world around me because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Amen? So it's about power. It's about boldness. Now listen to this. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, just like Jesus promised. He goes, not an institution, power, movement. It comes upon them. They're in this house. The sound of a rushing wind comes. They're just like, well, what's going on? Now, where is this wind coming from? We don't feel it, but it sounds like a rushing wind. Tongues of fire appear and fall on each of the believers' heads, right? And it says they began speaking in other languages, and the, uh, the surrounding people that are coming from all the different nations around, the Bible lists in Acts chapter 2, 14 different language groups. And they say this, how is it that these guys over here praying, these Galileans that follow Jesus, how are they praising God in our language? They don't know our language. 14 different languages. That, in, in other words, here's proof that the Holy Spirit has come upon their lives. And then Peter, of all people, stands up, gets bold, and he preaches this crazy sermon outside to all of these people gathered around. Now, this is the same Peter that kind of was like, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. Jumps out of the boat. You guys remember earlier? Takes a couple steps, and he's like, oh, and he sinks. Oh, right? And it's like, oh, Peter, where's your faith? Here's the same guy, Peter, that's always like getting into trouble, saying things he shouldn't say. Like, they come to arrest Jesus in the garden, you remember? And Jesus goes, this is all part of the plan. Friend, do what you've come to do. Arrest me. Let's do this. And Peter goes, no way. Grabs the sword, chops the guy's ear off. 
You guys remember that? He chops off like the high priest servant, whatever, Malchus or whatever. And Jesus is like, Peter, dude, calm down. Picks the ear up, puts in my name, be healed. Right? Puts the ear back on. This is the same Peter that's messing up. But this is the same Peter now who's on mission. He's part of the movement. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And he preaches this bold message. Can I just side note, say this little teaching thing is? Jesus' movement is made up of the most messed up people who have been given the most amazing second chances. And we need to have a little bit more grace for one another and other churches and other leaders because we're all flawed individuals. And Jesus said, that's my people. I love it. You guys are a mess, but I'm going to use you and show my power in the midst of your weakness and your fallibility and your mistakes. And your here's Peter, the guy that's messed up. And that teaches me a lesson right there. Now, I got to be a little bit less quick to judge other people. I got to be a little bit less quick to point fingers at people that are a part of my movement because that's the kind of people that God uses. That's the kind of people he gives second chances to. So watch what Peter does in Acts 2, 22. Stands up in front of all these people and says, people of Israel, listen. You can just imagine, he's just like, boom. Like they all saw like what's going on, speaking in different languages. Who are these guys? Something is happening. Like we don't know what's going on. Peter says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, signs through him, as you well know. In other words, the people he's talking to, this Jesus guy only resurrected about 40, 50 days earlier. Like they saw the fact that they heard all of the miracles Jesus did. They saw him die. They saw him come back. Even his haters, they had to acknowledge, dude, we saw that guy walking around for 40 days. That's crazy. What's going on? So Peter goes, here's what happened. God endorsed Jesus by all these powerful signs and wonders in him. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. You know what Peter says? He's not scared anymore. He's not denying Jesus three times, like, like when Jesus is arrested. Hey, aren't you got that guy, Peter? You're Jesus' friend. No, not me, not me. Hey, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're, no, 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 it wasn't me. It was somebody else, right? Three times he denied him, but now here's Peter giving second chances. He stands up and he goes, you know what just happened over there? That guy, Jesus, you guys are all mind blown. You don't know what's going on. He was the son of God. He was the real deal. God sent him. And the reason that death couldn't even touch him is because he was God's son. And all that you've heard about your prophetic messages and the Messiah is going to come and set people free, that's him. He's the man. And you guys helped put him on the cross. How do you feel about that? Right? And they're just all like, oh my gosh. And look what it says. Acts 2.37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Like they're just like, oh my gosh, we get it. You're right. We saw the guy do all that. There's no other explanation. This really was God's son. There's a plan. Your guy, he, the, uh, other people, the audience, they're looking at Peter and they're going, your guy's lives are changed. You're different. We saw you hiding before Peter. Now you're this bold guy. What the heck? What is going on? What do we do to get what you have? What must we do to be saved? And do you think Peter stood up and he goes, well, you got to sign up for a new believers class. You got to go get an anchor sticker on your car. You got to like come and you got to go through. And we meet every Sunday, 9 a.m. in this tent on the hill. And you know what? There was no set up churches yet. It just didn't exist yet because a church is people and it just started, right? So there was none of this program, ritual, religiosity. There was none of this. They didn't have to go sign up for a class. They didn't have to wear the t-shirt. You guys know what I'm saying? It wasn't a religious church. Uh, Kirky, Kirch, whatever you want to call it, type of a deal. It was power. What can we do? Here's what Peter replied. Here's what you got to do. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on. He says, this is for everyone, by the way. No matter how far away you are, where you're at, it's for everybody. So here's what he says. Here's to be part of the movement. Here's really what it comes down to. Turn away from the way you were living before and live for God. Receive his power in your life. Follow him. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and go tell somebody. Get out there and tell somebody. And it's really that easy. It's just part of a movement. And because of that, listen to this. Peter preaches his first sermon. There's only 120 of them that are believers, part of the church at the time. In verse 41, it says, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. Wait a minute. They didn't go to a baptism class? 
Wait, they didn't have to like, no, it says, boom, we believe, we're in, let's tell the world, let's get baptized. And it says 3,000 in all were added. 3,000 people joined the movement, one sermon. I wish I had that kind of anointing that Peter had. We only get about 2,000 people in our church on the weekend, all services combined. More people than in our entire church get saved from one sermon because they get it and they realize this thing is for real. This is a movement. God is real. He has real power. These people's lives are changed. We want that too. That's the power of the church. Amen? It's like a movement. It's like, it's incredible. It's like, it's big that we're supposed to get fired up on Jesus and we're, we're willing to take cracks for it. Like these people were willing to go against the Roman government at the time. Some of them were thrown to lions, ripped apart, martyred in all these ways because they said, we're part of a movement and we're not going to be stopped. We're not going to shut up about it because it's so good. See, when I was at, at a camp, I was about 14 years old. I went to a, a summer camp from this church way back in the day. And I was with Pastor Tom, sitting next to Pastor Tom. We're worshiping in this room. We're just coming into the presence of the Lord. We're like holding hands, not just me and Pastor Tom, but like a bunch of us together, like both sides, just to clarify. So we're, we're worshiping and we're just like, yeah, God, and we're just in his presence. And I had already been saved, five years old. My dad led me into the prayer, five-year-old mind. You just go, this guy, Jesus loves me unconditionally. He, he wants to be with me. I want that. So five years old, I had a simple saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But at 14, I had an experience with him and the Holy Spirit. And as Tom and I were all sitting there, we're holding hands, something went through, like about five of us there, like we felt like it was tingly electricity or whatever. And I was like, where did that come from? It's, you got your finger in the light socket? Like, what's going on? Like, we're holding hands. And we felt it to the point we actually looked at each other and we're like, well, dude, what was that? I don't know. What was that? I don't know. I think it was God. Dude, that was God. Oh, we're crying. We're just like, yeah. But you know what we felt at that moment? We felt like we were a part of something incredible, something big, that God is real. He's going to change our lives. And we both got a calling that says, we're going to serve him in whatever way, shape, or form. And we weren't talking about, man, this camp is so good. Everybody's got to come to this camp. Oh, that song we sang was, it was regardless of the program and the place, it was a movement inside of our hearts for the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And from that moment on, I just felt like this is what that early church felt like when they said 3,000 people, you know, uh, close your eyes and raise, everybody raise your hand. Peter, yeah, maybe Peter did that one too, right? Raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus. And they had just 3,000 people. And that's what I felt. And it's a part of a movement. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're part of a movement. Turn to someone right now. Come on, tell them. Tell, remind them. You're part of a movement. This is big. You got to catch this. It's not like, oh, I'm glad you came to church today. Hey, you are the church. Like, you got a job to do. It's all together. So now let's talk about this. How do we keep the movement moving? Because it is a huge worldwide movement that's impacting millions of people, billions of people, actually, across planet Earth. But every one of us, you, me, everybody included, we have a part to play in it. And you're like, well, I'm not a pastor. I can't do all that. No, you don't have to be because the movement, listen to this, the movement starts with you. Is that you keep the movement going in your life and it actually benefits the entire movement, the church, the ecclesia gathering around the world when you play your part. Does that make sense? So what I want to tell you today isn't like necessarily how you can get involved in all the things and the ministries in the church. It's what can I do in my own life that I can keep the movement going. And I'm going to give you four things really quick if you want to write them down. The first one is this. Reach more people for Jesus. Reach more people for Jesus. Take a hold of the Holy Spirit's boldness and power in you. Get some courage up and talk to your coworker about Jesus Christ. Share your testimony. Pray with them if they're in need. Invite them to church. It's even simpler than you having to come out. You can just simply invite them to church. And we try to be a church that is open and seeking and loving of lost people. Anybody that's far away from God, like we want to be able to be a church that helps you understand and I try to preach simple messages, life-relevant messages. We try to use uh, pop culture, right? We did the At The Movie series. That wasn't so we can just have a good time. It's so that we can attract more people who are like, I'm not really sure about the church. I have my views of the church. We want to make church a place that you can easily understand that God loves you like no other and that Jesus can change your life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that style and music and everything that we do around here. We do food truck Fridays. This, all the stuff that we do is for the purpose of we're a movement trying to lead people to Jesus. So first thing you can focus on is reach more people for Jesus. And, and listen to this. There's different churches out there. I'm not saying Anchor Church has all the answers. We're not a perfect church. If I haven't offended you yet, I will. Like stick around long enough, I'm sure, because I'm not perfect. 
But no church is perfect out there. So let's like not get all snobby about, well, this church and that, and I come from a church that was this, and I come, you guys are different or whatever. Look, we're all on the same team. The, the beauty of the local church is you find one that just kind of fits your style. But here's the deal, different styles, same mission, right? It's okay to be different personality, different styles, and we're who we are, because that's just how I act and preach, and that's just how we are. But we're all on the same mission together, that we are a movement on planet Earth. So let's be careful about judging. It doesn't matter what church people go to. You just get them to Jesus, because Jesus is at the local church, right? You just take them to Jesus. So I, I drive around sometimes, and I see your guys' stickers on your cars, the Anchor Church sticker. And you know what? I get excited. I'm driving around. Yeah! You know how I feel? That's my tribe. That's my people. And I always drive, speed up. And I, oh, I don't know them. Right? You guys do it too. You know it. I think that's my friend's car. Nope. Right? I throw the shaka. Oh, it wasn't me. But I get excited. But you know what else excites me? When I see a New Hope sticker on someone's car. When I see a Calvary Chapel sticker on someone's car. Because you know what I'm thrilled with is the church is bigger than just Anchor Church. Is that those, that's my team. That's my tribe around the world. That's family of God. We're on mission together. And it doesn't matter what church you go to, as long as it's preaching the message of Jesus Christ, not other religions, but we can all have our own style differences, denominational differences, but we have the same message. So reach more people for Jesus. Because here's the thing. When you're reaching more people for difference, you have to think big. Now, I get criticized sometimes, not all the time. People understand, they get it. But sometimes people go, oh, you're one of those pastors, huh? You're just big, big, big. You just want big, you just want more people, you want this. Actually, yes, it's true. And you know the reason why? It's because there's a whole lot of people going to hell in this world out there. And if I can reach more of them, then that's a pretty good thing. It's the reason that we exist. Hey, look, remember this? When Jesus said, there's something in scripture called the Great Commission, it's pretty big. The mission was, go out and tell everybody about me and make disciples and followers of me. So I'm not hung up on like how many people are in the seats. You know the greatest number I look at every single week? How many people said yes to Jesus? I love that number. That's, a, that's the coolest number ever. How many people actually at the back door will, will tell me, I got it today. I finally get what this God thing is all about. Like, I just, I want people to know the saving power of Jesus Christ. And so I do think big, more people, more churches, more location plants, whatever, because our job, Christians, in the church, the movement of Jesus is to plunder hell and populate heaven. Amen. Like, it's not a joke. It's not like you can sideline it. Like, we got work to do. We're part of a movement. So reach more people for Jesus. Here's the second one. Grow stronger in your faith. Not just grow strong. Oh, feed the church. Feed, like, the, the local gathering. Is The church actually is blessed and gets stronger when you get stronger. So you read your Bible. You show up. Show up to grow up. Show up to grow up spiritually. Just the fact that you made it to church this morning Good job, you're adding to the movement. You're part of the movement. You're part of the team. As you grow the church, look, if I'm playing basketball or I'm playing, say I'm playing baseball, and what's my position? Oh, I'm shortstop. Oh, I'm a terrible shortstop, but the team's pretty good. Well, if I get to go home and practice and learn and YouTube and throw the ball and do all this, and I become a better shortstop, the entire team benefits from me being a better shortstop. Does that make sense? So you just growing in your knowledge of Jesus and seeking him in your life, it actually benefits the entire movement and the rest of the church. Because the blessing that God wants to do in some people's lives here today at this church isn't gonna come from what I'm saying on stage right now. It's gonna come from you out there in the courtyard after service or the lunch you go take someone to or the relationships in your small group is God needs every single one of us. And when we get stronger, the church benefits. So in the words of the most interesting man in the world, the Dos Equis guy, stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty for more of Jesus. Keep learning. Keep longing to know him more, to get equipped, to find out what gifts you have and that you can use to benefit the king because when you get better, the movement gets better. Amen? Here's the, the third thing is you got to build godly relationships. Plain and simple, we need each other. We get better when we coach each other, when we love, we push, we encourage, we pray for, we celebrate with, we grieve with, we help and we resource one another. There is strength in numbers. I was going through this time, just kind of am now, season in my life, in my ministry. There's a lot of big things on my mind, and I'm going to be introducing some, some cool new vision and some ideas and some stuff that our church is going to be doing in the next few months here, we're going, to, we're going to be rolling out some new ideas and some, some opportunities. But it's a lot on my mind because 
God said, you're the shepherd of this people group. So there's a lot of responsibility on me. And it's not like I'm the boss, I'm the man, I know. It's that God said, this is how it's set up. This is the local congregation. Carl, you got a lot resting on you. So when I make decisions, I want to be prayed up. I want to talk with godly advisors, our staff, our church council. Like, I want to make sure we're going in the right direction because I'm leading you guys to something bigger than yourselves. And in the midst of that stress, there's times that I get anxiety. Like, I don't, oh, it's hard to sleep. Like, there's a lot resting on me. And I talked to David McCracken. You guys remember him from last week? Wasn't that good? Wasn't he good? I love that guy. He's just like a spiritual father figure to me. And he just spoke into my life. And he just encouraged me after last week's messages, we went out to lunch and stuff. And he goes, how did my prophetic word that God gave me, how did that speak to you, Carl? Because he didn't want to hear anything about our church before he preached. Because he's like, if I get a word from God, I don't want to have it influenced by anything I know about you. It has to be straight from God to you. So I said, okay, I'm not telling you. Sunday afternoon, services are done. I told him how his word about expand the borders, take new territory. How did that relate to Anchor Church? And I, I told him, hey, I'm dealing with some stuff. We got some big things. It, it is exactly what I needed to hear. And he says this, because I said, I'm, I'm nervous about it. I'm scared. He said this. He goes, Carl, here's what you need to know is that I don't believe in Anchor Church. I was like, oh, wow. He says, no, listen, let me finish. Because I don't believe in Anchor Church. I believe in Carl Moore. And I believe in Kanani Moore. And I believe in you guys as the leadership that God has put in that church. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you and I have no expectations from you, but you have full availability from me for you. Is that I just want to stand beside you and I believe in you and you're going to do great things when you get things right with God and you're strong with God. And you know, I, I, I am on the daily. But he goes, I just want you to know that it's not about your local church gathering. It's about what God's doing in you. And I want you to know I'm your friend all the way in Melbourne. And if you never invite me to church again, I don't even care. I'm committed to you and I believe in you. You know what that did? It changed everything in my perspective. I can do this thing. This guy's got my back. He believes in me. Someone's praying for me. Look, here's, here's number three on how to be a part of the movement and keep it moving. Just build godly relationships. Be like David McCracken was to me. You be like that to the other people around you in the movement of God because we all need to hear that encouragement. We all need to know that like, I'm doing a good thing. It's making a difference. I'm actually changing lives in who I am. Is that a good word for you? Here's the last thing you do is just use what you got to serve others. I guess better grammar is use what you have to serve others. But I like use what you got to get involved and to give back. Um, I know what I'm called to do. I know what I'm gifted at. It doesn't mean I'm like it or, or I like it or it comes easily. Getting up on a stage every week is the last thing you guys know me. It's the last thing I've ever wanted to do in my entire life. By nature, I'm an introvert. By nature, like I can just cruise all day long by myself, surfing or at home or whatever, and I'm cool with that. And my wife is like, what are you doing? You're such a loner. You're the, you know, because she's like super extrovert, right? She's like, ah, and I'm just like this like super introvert. But what I know is that along the line somewhere, God says, but I've given you a gift to speak. And so you have to speak. I've given you a gift to lead. And so you have to lead. And I understand that even if it doesn't come naturally to me every week, I got to do what God called me to do because I'm part of a movement and I got to get involved and use whatever God's given me to make it happen. But I'm used just as much in the church as I am with my love for surfing. You understand this? Like, like one seems holy and one seems normal, but all of you guys are going, I'm never going to be a pastor someday, so God can't use me. No, God uses the normal stuff that you do. The job place that you're at, the school that you're at. I, when I go surfing so many times, I get opportunities to talk to people, to invite them to church, to like pray with people, like in the water, or on the beach. It's like, it's weird. Like, I'm like, I want to just kind of hide and just let me just enjoy some waves. But people are like, hey, you're the pastor guy. Oh, yeah. Hi, how you doing? You know, but it opens so many doors. And God says, use whatever you got to keep the movement moving. You guys get that? Like everybody in here, you have a capacity to reach people that I will never reach. Because... They may, may not ever come to this church. They might be in their homes or their workplaces or your math class or whatever. I don't have access to that, but you do. And God's going, we all can use what we have to serve other people. I'm gonna end with this. A few years back, like in 2007 or eight or something like that, I went to my first Hillsong conference in Sydney, Australia. How many of you guys love Hillsong and you're blessed by their ministry and their music and everything? Look, I just want to clear the record and just make sure you guys understand. They're not 
They get a lot of publicity and hype, and every Christian church does. They're not just about big, big show and lights and program. I've, I've seen them up close. I've spoken to their leaders. I've, I've had dinners and lunch over with their leadership and watched what they do and how they do service and the prayers that go into everything and the word of God that is preached. I'm just gonna let you know this, that that's an organization of integrity. They absolutely love Jesus and their whole cause on everything that they, they put all their, their material is champ, championing the cause of the local church. You may go to their conference and all they want you to do is learn whatever you got and go back and spread Jesus in your local church and your local community. So I went for the first time to, to see the big Hillsong deal, right? Oh, what's it all about? And I went, man, and there was 30,000 people gathered in an arena in Sydney Harbor, in Darling Harbor, which is a small harbor off of the big harbor of Sydney Harbor. And you walk in there and it's lit up. It's like electric it's Holy Spirit. You're worshiping with 30,000 people. You're all hearing truth preached on stage by incredible pastors that are bringing the word of God. You're learning together. You're just full of, this is new. This is exciting. This is amazing. And you know what I felt? I was just like, ah, ah. Like I was, and I'm not one of those guys to, to, to come into the hype of something, but I was like, I was hyped. And I felt like I'm part of this thing. I'm awesome too, because I have a wristband the same color as everybody else. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus. And it wasn't about church anymore in Hillsong and Brandon name. It was about, I'm a part of God's people. And I've never been in a room with 30,000 other people worshiping God before. And the power in that blew me away. And walking around the streets, getting food afterwards. Can I have some fish and chips? Yeah, mate. And I was like, you know, on the street ordering. But everybody's got their wristbands on. I'm like, yeah, what's up? I saw you. Yeah, Jesus. And it's just like you feel around the city like, I'm a part of something. I got a part to play. We're going to change the world. And then God hit me with this. Carl, that's awesome. Isn't it cool that you went there? But how many Christians do you think there are in the United States? Well, I don't know. Better Google it, right? Siri, how many Christians are in the U.S.? And here's the number that I saw because I just actually did this. 280 million Christians in the United States. And I know there's every style, shape, and form, and shallow, deep, whatever. But here's what I know. That's my tribe. That's my family. That's my movement. That's God's hands and feet on planet Earth. 280 million. And then I went even a little bit farther. Planet Earth. 2.2 billion Christians on planet Earth, and we're still growing. And you know what I got in me, and I hope you catch this here today, is that we're a movement, and we've got a message, and we've got a mission that says Jesus is everything that he says he is and was, and he can change our lives. We're living proof of it, his power, his Holy Spirit in us every single day. And we have to go out there and share that with our words, our actions, whatever it is, just inviting them to church or telling your full testimony, whatever it takes, we need to keep the movement moving and we need to bring more people to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that's really what it comes down to is that church is better than you think it is. It is a movement. It is not an institution. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that doesn't go void. We thank you for the encouragement of knowing that we're something bigger than ourselves and it's not about the place or the brand or the sticker or the t-shirt or any of that silly stuff. Lord, we obviously had to organize this movement, but Lord, let's not get caught up on the organization more as the mission. Lord, it's all about the mission, that it's you that changes people's lives and we just wanna be a part of that and change this world for you. Lord, please remind us and help us to see ourselves as a movement of God's people changing this earth and changing people's lives every single day, Lord. Give us the boldness, the, the fire inside of us that would help us get out of our comfort zones and as the word was last week, expand our borders and take new territory because we're on mission together. And if there's anybody here today that's, that's never come to a place of joining the movement, of really knowing and honestly knowing in your heart that you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, but what you heard today or what God's been doing in your life or what you've been hearing from friends lately, it's kind of convincing you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's everything and that he can change your life even though he's, he's in heaven. His Holy Spirit now represents him here on earth in our lives if we would believe in Jesus. We'd believe in Jesus that represents the love of a father that would send him down to earth to bring us back to him. If you're in service today, we're gonna pray like we do every single service at this church so we give an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus and to come into that movement and to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus and watch what he could do in your life your life personally and through you into the lives of other people. And if you'd like to take that step this morning, 
right here in this church, or you'd like to say yes to Jesus and know that you're a, a, a Christian, a child of God representing him as you walk out the doors here today, I wanna say a prayer with you. And here's how we're gonna do it. Is I'm gonna say a prayer out loud and I'm gonna speak the words out loud. I'm gonna ask you to just kind of take the words that I say, make them the, your, own, your own words in your heart to God. He needs to know that it starts in your heart. You could just give lip service and not mean it, but in your heart, I want you to take the words I say, you own it in your heart. I'm not even gonna ask you to pray it out loud right now in front of everybody. After service, you can go and tell someone, acknowledge that you made that commitment. And from here on out, tell people all the time. But right now, let's just intimately talk about your heart with Jesus. And so when I pray this prayer that's gonna just lead you back into right relationship with God, that you can know you're part of this movement and the Holy Spirit's gonna work in power in your life, that you just pray this in your heart to God and he's gonna begin to change you. So if that's a prayer that you'd like to do, everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed right now. If you'd like to pray that prayer with me right now, I'm gonna ask you one bold step. And it's not that crazy, but I'm gonna ask if you wanna pray with me to let me know by simply raising your hand up high right now. Would you just hold your hand up high like this and just say, yep, I wanna pray that prayer right now. We do hold it up until I acknowledge you. I just wanna see who's in the room tonight. Great, I see this hand right here. Awesome, sir, I got that hand. I see you in the back, ma'am. I see you right there. A couple, a couple of you, older, younger, praise God. I'm looking around, I see a couple, couple of women right here. Praise God, great decision. Anybody else, as I look around, I just wanna make sure that I saw you. It's just really cool for me to acknowledge. If you're in the, the back room or you're in the courtyard, we have staff out there that saw you. I see this person right here too. Praise God. I'm looking, just want to make sure. You know what, if I don't see you, it's cool. God saw you, but put your hands down right now and just make this the prayer of your heart here today. God, I understand that, that you're good and that your church is good. And maybe I have misconceptions about what church is supposed to be like. And even from looking at this church, Lord, I realize not every church, no church is perfect, but your people are your people and they're holy and they're set apart for your purposes. And they're flawed and they're messed up as well, but Lord, so am I. So Lord, I'm coming to you today right now in my heart to say, I wanna be different. I want you to change me. I believe in who you are and what you did on the cross and out of the grave to conquer sin and separation from God in my life. I believe that it's an ongoing work through your Holy Spirit in me as I say yes, that I believe in what you did to give me eternal life and to give me a relationship with you but that you're also gonna continue working in me every single day. So Lord, I believe what you did, Jesus, on the cross, rising from the dead, conquering sin. I believe you did that for me. And Lord, I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna live for you all the days of my life as I get my Bible, start understanding who you are, as I commit to a local body of believers, whether it's Anchor Church or any church that preaches God's word, Lord, I'm gonna to commit to being a part of something bigger than just me. Lord, as I receive the power of your Holy Spirit in my life, as I get baptized, as that, those early believers did that day, to, they repented and they got baptized to let the world know that they followed you. Lord, everything that you have available for me from the bottom of my heart, my answer right now is yes. Yes, I will follow you, Jesus, all of my days until I see you face to face for all of eternity. Thank you for being my God and changing my life this morning. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Can we praise God for those people? Amen, amen. So good.